Welcome back to Love God and Your Neighbor. I'm Laura Hutchinson, pastor of First Christian Church in Anniston, Alabama, and I am so grateful that you're here with us today. Joining us is the music team, Gerald Roberts. He's our director of music on keyboard, Annie Ingram on trumpet, and Jason Wright, our soloist and worship leader. It's a joy to get to do these podcasts with them, and so I'm really thankful that they share their talents with us. Today, we are studying a scripture passage that most Christians are familiar with, and I have been blessed by where God has taken me in the preparation for this sermon. I hope and pray that this service touches your spirit as it has touched mine already, and I pray that the Holy Spirit is with you and moves in you this day. I want to thank all of you who have sent in donations to First Christian Church in Anniston. Your offerings are a blessing and appreciated by us as well as by God. We would not be here if it weren't for the tithes and offerings of our faithful givers like you. So if you feel so moved again today, please consider giving to God through us. You can either go to our webpage, www.fccanniston.org, scroll down to the bottom of the page and click the Donate Now button. PayPal is the only functioning donation option for the time being. Otherwise, you can donate by sending a check to First Christian Church, 1327 Layton Avenue, Anniston, Alabama, 36207. Now I invite you to gather your elements for communion, bread or crackers, juice or wine, and to light a candle. Let us welcome in the light of Christ as we come to the Lord with adoration and love. Feel free to pause this recording while you go and get what you need. And now let us prepare ourselves for worship. We serve a God who gives us everything we have and who gives us all of himself in the form of Jesus the Christ. Everything we see belongs to our Lord because this is God's world. Let us give thanks and praise today for our God who loves us so much. And let us now give our whole hearts to God. We worship this evening in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Will you sing with me now our hymn of praise, You Are My All in All. Fill my heart 
comes from Matthew 22, 15 through 22. The Pharisees went and plotted to entrap Jesus in what he said. So they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are sincere and teach the way of God in accordance with truth and show deference to no one, for you do not regard people with partiality. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why are you putting me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. Then he said to them, Whose head is this and whose title? They answered, The emperor's. Then he said to them, Give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard this, they were amazed, and they left him and went away. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. You know, it's interesting to me that this text was assigned to us by the lectionary at this time, just a couple of weeks before the most contentious election we've seen in a while. There are not many of us U.S. citizens who go a day without thinking about, reading about, talking about, or worrying about something politically related, are there? It's constant and ongoing. And there are also some of us who are aware of the ongoing discussion of separation between church and state. And among Christians, there is the debate about whether we should be in the world, of the world, or not of the world at all. Well, our scripture today actually addresses all of these issues, if you can believe it. It does so by illustrating what part of our lives belong to God and what part of our lives belong to the earthly kingdom. Jesus tells his enemies to give to the emperor or Caesar what is the emperor's and give to God what is God's. But what does that really mean? Now, if you're sitting there wondering if I'm going to tell you how to vote on November 3rd, don't worry. That is not what this sermon is about, and I don't do that. Now, today's message is about discerning God's will in how we participate and interact in the secular world. 
So the story of Jesus being challenged by Jewish leaders about paying taxes, it appears in all three of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. In each of them, these leaders, sometimes Pharisees and Herodians, sometimes scribes and chief priests, they try to entrap Jesus with an unwinnable riddle. They think there is no good way for Jesus to answer because either way, he will anger important people. And that works very well for their purposes. So they ask Jesus, is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? What they mean is, is it in accord with the will of God as revealed in the law of Moses? If he answers that it is lawful and that believers should pay taxes to the pagan Roman state, this will condemn him in the eyes of the super patriot religious zealots. If he answers that it is not lawful, this will make him guilty of rebellion against the Roman government. So what does Jesus do? Well, he asks if anyone has a coin, and one of them hands him a denarius. Well, the denarius was a Roman coin that bore the image of Caesar with the inscription, Tiberius Caesar, son of the divine Augustus Augustus. And by asking for the coin, Jesus forces them to acknowledge that they are themselves carrying and using the Roman money, implying that they cannot require others to disavow its use in payment of Roman taxes. The portrait and the inscription indicated that it belonged to Caesar, meaning to Caesar's realm of secular government. To pay taxes was only to give Caesar what they already acknowledged belonged to Caesar. Well, the argument could be made that as long as we pay our taxes, we as people of faith should simply withdraw from the world and keep to our own Christian selves. And there are quite a few groups who advocate for such behavior. Some seem to believe that since we are citizens of the kingdom of God, we have no responsibility to this republic in which we currently dwell. After all, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and God what is God's sounds pretty clear cut, black and white complete and total separation of church and state. But honestly, have we ever known Jesus to be clear-cut about anything? Hmm, not really. So, of course, there is a lot of gray area in this text as well. The People's New Testament commentary says that Jesus is saying, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. This was not merely a clever way of extricating himself from a difficult situation by not answering directly, nor was it a simple solution to the problems of the relation of church and state. There are no simple answers here. There is certainly no intention to partition life into Caesar's part and God's part. God does not ask for part, but the whole of life, and no part of life can be partitioned off as secular or political in which one's loyalty to God does not apply. Caesar and God both have legitimate claims on the believer, but this text does not tell the reader what belongs to Caesar and what belongs to God in any particular situation. This must be worked out by the followers of Jesus from the case to case together under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, just as Luke illustrates in the book of Acts. But the text does make two things very clear. One, The Christian disciples do not violate their faith when they pay taxes to pagan secular governments. And two, whenever there are conflicts between human loyalties, meaning between one's country and one's God, there can be no question but that God must be served. 
And to bring this into the 21st century, I could add that we do not violate our faith when we get involved with politics, when we protest at rallies, or when we vote in elections, especially when we are advocating for justice for all people, because that is a godly and, and loving act. But I'll be honest with you, I am often tempted to withdraw from the world when it all gets too overwhelming. When it gets to be too much, I want to run into the church and slam the doors against all that is secular and just keep my mind on heavenly things while completely ignoring everything else. I've daydreamed throughout my life at times about what it would be like to join a convent and to close myself off from all things that aren't of God. I think about how simple life would be. But then there are times when I get so caught up in worldly issues and problems that I completely forget about God. I get caught up in my self-righteous indignation, my anger at injustices that I see around me, at things my neighbors say and do that make me boil with frustration. And I have to catch myself and just stop. Yes, my faith often drives my indignation and frustration because many times I'm angry in defense of other people which I think God approves of. But my anger can get so intense that it pushes out my faith altogether. If I'm so angry that I forget to pray, that's a problem. If I'm so frustrated that I can't turn it over to God, that's a problem. If I'm so afraid of world events or the potential for scary events to happen that I lose trust in God to be in control, then I'm missing the point. If I'm putting more faith in a political party than I am in God, that's idolatry and I've slipped over into worshiping the party and not God. If patriotism has taken the place of God, well then. You see, the true monarch that we serve is God. And the only kingdom that really matters is the kingdom of God. All of this, everything you see, everything around us belongs to God, and all of this is ruled by God. But we are also citizens of a human-built society in which we live and on which we depend, so we owe some responsibility to that too. And as followers of Christ, Jesus, who reminded us of the commandments to love God with all our hearts, souls, and minds, and to love our neighbors as ourselves, we are responsible for our fellow human beings because we love God over all things. So Jesus said to give to the emperor what is the emperor's and give to God what is God's. And I asked, what is the emperor's and what is God's? And the answer is, it's all God's. God is almighty and this earth belongs to God in every way. So as citizens of these United States, we are to do what we need to do to be contributing members of society but if we aren't giving God all the honor, all the credit, and all the glory, and all our trust, and all our allegiance, then we've missed the point of everything. Throughout history, leaders come and go, nations come and go, countries are founded, and countries cease to exist. But the kingdom of God is eternal, right? So we're coming up on an election, and there isn't a person in this country maybe in this world, that doesn't have strong emotions about one or both of the candidates, about one or both of the parties that those candidates represent, or about people who are running for Congress. 
People have been arguing about this election for months. Communities are being torn apart and families are not speaking to one another. Throughout this year, we have heard all kinds of propaganda and rhetoric designed to spark our deepest fears, to make us feel afraid if one or the other person wins. We've seen our fellow neighbors descend into name calling and insults because of who we are and are or not are not going to vote for. We've witnessed a growing contempt for one another. And what do you imagine Jesus would say in response to all of it? Now, I know that all of us, if we're voting at all, will be influenced by our faith when we vote. There are issues at stake that we feel compelled to speak out about because our understanding of who God is moves us to do so. We take a stand for social justice, but differ on how to achieve it. We take a stand for or against abortion rights. We take a stand for or against socialism. We take a stand for or against gun rights or capital punishment. We take a stand against racism. We take a stand for or against same-sex marriages. And we pray and we read the Bible and we believe that we are doing what God wants us to do. And still, I think that Jesus would be terribly disappointed by how much we have descended into hatefulness and contempt for our fellow human being, no matter who they are or what side of anything they might stand on. Yes, Jesus cares about these issues, and I do believe that there is a right and a wrong answer to most of them. But Jesus cares about these issues because Jesus loves all people. And even if our positions on these issues comes from a place of love for people and God, if we attempt to destroy one another in the hopes of winning the argument, then we have lost sight of who God has created us to be. The Pharisees went and plotted to entrap Jesus in what he said. So they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians saying, Teacher, we know that you are sincere and teach the way of God in accordance with truth and show deference to no one. For you do not regard people with partiality. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why are you putting me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. Then he said to them, Whose head is this and whose title? They answered, The emperor's. Then he said to them, Give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard this, they were amazed, and they left him and went away. Some interpreters see here an allusion to human beings as made in the image of God. Think of Genesis 1. So that just as Caesar's image on the coin means it already belongs to Caesar, so God's image in humanity means that human beings already belong to their creator and cannot finally give ultimate allegiance to any other authority. Our money holds the image of past leaders of these United States of America, and therefore it belongs to the United to the nation, ultimately. And our bodies, our countenance, bears the image of our creator. Thus we belong to God, ultimately. And so does that guy down the street, and so does that woman on CNN or Fox News, and so do those people at that rally or the march or that protest. One and all, we belong to God because one and all, 
We were created in the image of God. Now, some of you might think that I'm preaching this with one person or another in mind. I know this because my whole life I've wondered who the preacher was really talking to when I was sitting in the pews and sometimes wondered if he or she was singling me out in one sermon or another. Usually I'm not actually thinking of one person, but today I actually am. The person that I believe needs to hear this message above all others is, well, me. I've heard many of you say that I'm so good at seeing the good in all people, at giving people the benefit of the doubt and so on and so forth. But truth be told, I struggle with this like any of you do. Yes, when I sit down and really think it through, I do love all people. And I do know that all people deserve my love as creatures of God. But in day-to-day practice, I know how hard this can be. I have been afraid about the pending results of this election, and that fear has inspired me to turn on people who disagree with me. I have felt contempt when I've watched the news or heard people speak about certain topics or whatever. I have felt anger and frustration and more. All as I attempt to get involved with the political issues, well, as much as I'm ethically able as a pastor, and while I believe some of that anger is righteous in the eyes of God, my contempt is not. It is a sin. And more than all of that, my fear is absolutely not of God. If all the world belongs to God, if God is truly in control, if I am a citizen of God's kingdom above all other allegiances, then there is nothing to fear, is there? I can honestly remember no other time in my life when the world around me was more insecure than it is right now. Not even after 9-11 did I feel this unsettled and this uncertain. And still, we are reminded by God's word that this is God's world and that everything in it is under God's command. Yes, there are many who ignore God altogether and do not honor God with their words or their actions. And there are others who say they honor God, but their words and actions seem to counter Jesus's message. But they are all still God's image bearers, nonetheless. It is true that Jesus's message to us today carries a lot of ambiguity. It leaves a lot of questions unanswered. And we could walk away from this message thinking that we haven't learned anything at all. But that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. As we go about our days in the coming weeks, let us turn to this advocate, the Spirit of God, and ask God to show us the way. Ask God to guide us in our words and our actions. Ask God to guide you as you vote. And please vote if it is at all possible. Ask God to help you know how to feel about another person and what they say and do. And ask God to give you peace, no matter what happens, no matter who wins, no matter what your neighbor does or does not do. Because if God is truly in charge, and God is in charge, we have nothing to fear after all. Jesus said to give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. And all of it is God's. Amen? As we reflect on this message, let us sing together, O Worship the King.
belongs to God and God is ruler of all the world and under God's rule when the people became disobedient and unwilling to answer to God what did God do we know God was tempted to wipe them out again and start over like we saw in the story of Noah and the ark or even last week's scripture if you have kids some of you might be aware of this temptation to just wipe them off the earth and then start over but in the end, God's love for creation won. And instead of giving up on us, God decided to become one of us. God was born and was named Jesus. Jesus grew up and became the greatest teacher in history, guiding humanity towards a life of love, justice, and faith. Then Jesus allowed himself to be killed because he knew his death would free us from ours and three days later, he triumphed over death in the resurrection, tearing down the barriers between humanity and its creator once and for all. We celebrate that miracle, and we accept God's gift of grace in Christ Jesus when we, came to the Lord, when we come to the Lord's table. And here's the thing that's most special about this meal. Though everything in creation belongs to God, this table has been set for all of us. Everyone is offered the gift of grace and perfect forgiveness, and everyone is welcome to eat at Jesus' table. This table is set for you. Come and eat. On the night when the Lord was betrayed, he took the bread, blessed it, and said, This is my body broken for you. Eat it in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup blessed it, and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink it, drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Let us pray. Gracious God, we come to you humbled by your power and your love. Thank you for welcoming us into your embrace so completely and thank you for your forgiveness of our sins. As we take this bread and drink of this cup, wash us clean and forgive us for what we have done and for what we have left undone. Give us pure hearts and help us to change our ways, to turn away from the actions that hurt you and others, and to turn to you 
and your will always. Bless us this day, dear God. We love you. Amen. Come and eat. The body of Christ, broken for you. The blood of Christ, the cup of salvation. Let us sing together, surely the presence of the Lord. Remembrance, which you can find printed in the About This Episode segment of the podcast. By partaking in this meal, we remember that Christ was born. Christ, Christ died. Christ was raised. Christ, Christ will, will come, come again. again. This is the mystery of our faith. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. As you go from this place, remember to whom your allegiance belongs. We are God's and all belongs to God. In God's love, there is nothing to fear, and in God's world, we can trust God to lead us straight and true. Walk in peace, dear friends. Amen. Let us sing together our hymn of sending forth, This is My Father's World.
Thank you.